Team Buck, I hope you're enjoying some downtime this holiday season. I'm doing just that today, giving myself the chance to visit with family and friends. The podcast today is a repeat performance from August 27th, one of many days that Joe Biden proved that he is not fit for office. Enjoy this episode again. I'll be back with a new year of daily podcasts on Monday, January 3rd. Welcome, team, to the Freedom Hunt. Much to get to today. We had a very disconcerting speech from President Biden after a horrific terror attack that killed 170 people, uh, 13 U.S. military members. Biden trying to calm the country. I don't think he did a good job. Did this White House give a kill list to the Taliban? We'll dive into that. Plus, the Supreme Court strikes down the unconstitutional eviction moratorium, finally. And Lieutenant Byrd is the name of the fellow who shot Ashley Babbitt, the member of Capitol Hill Police. He gave an interview, and we will talk about what he said there. So as you can tell, and then we'll get to some roll call. We have a very busy show today for sure. Uh, but, you know, Wall Street has been lying to you for a long time, saying a measly few percent is a good return on our stocks, and it's not. And that trading is so complex, you need a financial advisor. You don't. All you need is carnivore trading, where you guys are crushing it, even when the market is tough. Carnivore trading is an anonymous team of elite strategists. They're legends among Wall Street heavy hitters. They've gone a bit rogue. For the first time, they're inviting everyday folks like you and me to see and mirror their explosive trades. Sound too good to be true? Carnivore will let you see the trades they're making right now for two weeks free. Go to GetOurTrades.com and use promo code BUCK for two free weeks. And if you join, you'll get Carnivore's industry-leading promise. You'll generate three times your fees after your annual paid subscription, or you'll get a 100% refund. Go to GetOurTrades.com, promo code BUCK, that's GetOurTrades.com, promo code BUCK. See website for guaranteed terms and conditions, past performance, not a guarantee of future earnings. Play 16. We're going to continue to try to get you out. It matters. Look, I know of no conflict as a student of history, no conflict where when a war was ending, one side was able to guarantee that everyone they wanted to be extracted from that country would get out. And think about it, folks. I think it's important. For, I know the American people get this in their gut. They're going to leave people behind on the battlefield. That's going to happen. That is, at this point, inevitable. Hopefully, no Americans, but not even sure that's the case, certainly will leave SIV, which is the equivalent of a green card. It's a green card category. These are people that we have given green cards to in return for service to the United States. This is through the legal immigration system. Same way I know many of you listening are from families that are legal immigrants, or maybe you're a legal immigrant yourself. SIVs are legal immigrants to the United States. We're going to leave a lot of them behind for sure, including some who were interpreters. There are others who were uh, working for contractors and doing other uh, more day-to-day jobs. But there were military-embedded interpreters. There are going to be some who are left behind. The Biden administration is just telling you this is going to happen. And we've known this for days now. We had that horrific mass casualty attack yesterday, double suicide bombing. I talked about how this is the biggest soft target you could possibly find. Congregation of thousands of people up against gates with only Taliban checkpoints around them to, quote, protect them. 
and the U.S. military then processing them as they try to get into an actual interior uh, security perimeter. And it went very tragically, horrifically wrong yesterday. But we can't say that it's surprising. Of course, this was what ISIS-K, ISIS-Khorasan, or whatever faction this is. How much can we really put in the intelligence community and the, the military intelligence apparatus? I know that's one of the same, but how much can we really put in their analysis of who did this? I mean, when Joe Biden was saying yesterday that they're going to go after, they're going to find justice against those who did this, does anyone take that? Seriously? I mean, how is that going? First of all, even if we flew some drones in the sky and blew up the, the people that were behind the plotting of these attacks, that those who were involved in them, what would that change exactly? For the security situation, the ground, sure, it would be justice in the sense that we would have retribution against those involved in the suicide attack, which is good. But would it make anybody who is currently on the ground in Kabul safer? Would it change anything? No. And we sit here today as I'm speaking to you, and all I can think is, why wouldn't ISIS-K, if that is in fact who's responsible, do this again? Why, why wouldn't they? They are jihadist psychopaths. There's still a lot of people who are going to be pressed up against those gates. There's going to be mobs forming of people that are trying to get out. And what can we really do about it? Maybe the Taliban didn't order the hit, but maybe they just had a few of their members turn a blind eye. We don't know what's going on at those checkpoints. These are Taliban checkpoints. These are terrorists who engage in savage behavior, who will abuse sexually children and call them wives. We know that's been happening with Taliban fighters. Who will mutilate and execute women for minor offenses against their so-called Sharia interpretation. Right? That's who's manning the checkpoints. And we have Afghans crowding in to try to get out. And what are we looking for now? Some sense from the Biden administration that they have a handle on this, that they'll be able to stop this. And Biden is telling us that there will be retribution. Here you go, 14. To those who carried out this attack, as well as anyone who wishes America harm, know this, we will not forgive. We will not forget. We will hunt you down and make you pay. I will defend our interests and our people with every measure at my command. What's that going to mean? What, what does he have at his command right now? We're just trying to hold on to our last little piece of real estate and evacuate all of our people. Does anyone really think that we have the kind of intelligence networks on the ground right now? I can tell you we don't. Where we'd be able to find out who is involved in the plotting and planning of that mass casualty suicide bombing attack yesterday? No way. No way. We can't tell you if it was Haqqani Network allied with ISIS-K or a faction of the Taliban aligned with ISIS or the Haqqadis working with the Taliban or who knows. We have no real sense of what's going on in this country. I think that's pretty clear considering that the Afghan army folded in 11 days and we thought it would at least last six months. You could say, oh, but we all thought, yeah, but I I'm not sitting there with a $800 billion Pentagon budget at my disposal 
and spy satellites and intelligence agencies and all the things that we have to try to get a sense of what's really going on. I mean, in many ways, this is the most stunning intelligence failure, certainly since 9-11. Nothing like this, nothing of this scale. Um, Here we are. I have some of you will pick up. uh, There's some other things I'm sure we could throw in the mix, too. Someone brought up Libya as a foreign policy blunder, but that didn't put thousands and thousands of Americans in harm's way. It did end up with us losing four Americans in Benghazi. So we've already lost 13 in this debacle in Afghanistan. But then there's the, I think, the moment of shock that reverberated through much of the country yesterday when Biden went up. He was supposed to make everybody feel better. And here is how he approaches things. Play 15. Ladies and gentlemen, they gave me a list here. The first person I was instructed to call on was Kelly O'Donnell of NBC. Why is why do they have a list of people to call on? It's all so scripted, right? It, it all just feels so stage managed and phony. But how could it not? Joe Biden was up there kind of exhausted, you know, sort of like he's fading, almost like the way America's standing in the world is fading. It was not confidence-inspiring yesterday. The commander-in-chief was not making everybody feel like he's on it, he's got this. But to think how much worse could this really go for the Biden administration at this point, and then you think, Oh, my gosh, it absolutely could be worse. Could be much worse. We still have days to go here. We still have at least hundreds of Americans who have to get out of the country, at least as of last count, and thousands and thousands of SIV holders who are supposed to get out of the country. But you know what the biggest single concern the Biden administration has right now is? Perception of their capability. How does this affect them politically? That matters more than anything else. It matters more than the situation on the ground in Afghanistan for the Biden team. I can tell you that much. Here he is going back and forth with Peter Ducey, 17. I bear responsibility for fundamentally all that's happened of late. But here's the deal. You know, as well as I do, that a former president made a deal with the Taliban that he would get all American forces out of Afghanistan by May 1. In return, he was given a commitment that the Taliban would continue to attack others, but would not attack any American forces. Remember that? I'm I'm being serious. No, I'm asking you a question. uh, Because before... No, 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 wait a minute. I'm asking you a question. Is that that accurate, the best of you or not? Do you think that people have an issue with pulling out of Afghanistan or just the way that things have happened? I think they have an issue that people are likely to get hurt. Some, as we've seen, have gotten killed, and that it is messy. Fighting with Peter Ducey over how, you know, really it's Trump's fault. You got to remember that in this whole process. It's Trump's fault. Hmm. I thought Joe Biden was the president of the United States. I thought we had a whole fight. In fact, if you didn't say Joe Biden was the president, oh, and he won and it was the cleanest election ever. No problems, no rule changes, no violations to state constitutions, no fraud, no nothing. Right. Unless you say that you're a bad person. You're an insurrectionist. 
So they were very insistent that Joe Biden was really the president, right? We know that. So then isn't Joe Biden responsible? What am I missing here? What what part of this did I where did I not get the memo? Hmm. It's still President Trump's fault as this disaster continues to unfold in Afghanistan. Stunning. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation helps us keep our commitment to never forget. This year, the foundation is honoring Gold Star and fallen first responder families with young children and catastrophically injured veterans and first responders with 200 mortgage-free homes. Chairman and CEO Frank Siller is paying tribute to the fallen by walking from the Pentagon to Shanksville and on to Ground Zero, more than 500 miles through six states in 42 days, the month of August through 9-11. Towers of Light are to shine at the Pentagon and Shanksville memorials in remembrance, and the, no, and the names of those we lost to 9-11-related illnesses are being read aloud at a ceremony on September 12th. On Veterans Day, the names of those we lost in the War on Terror will also be said aloud. Do good and help America to never forget. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number 2, T.org. T2T.org. So the officer, Lieutenant Byrd, who shot Ashley Babbitt in the neck, uh, spoke out about this. Uh, he had an interview with Lester Holt. And here's what he says about why. Now, remember, just this was on January 6th. 35-year-old female, about 140 pounds, Ashley Babbitt, is trying to come through a locked door. And she's breaking through the glass. And this... Uh, Lieutenant Byrd of Capitol Hill Police pulled his gun. He has gun pointed at her for quite some time and just shot her in the neck and killed her. Um, I, I didn't I, I don't know if, if he actually said, uh, well, you know what? Let's let's let him explain how he views that she was a threat. Play 21. I had been yelling and screaming as loud as I was. Please stop. Get back. Get back. Stop. We had our weapons thrown. We see your arm out there for a considerable amount of time. Were you wavering? I was taking a tactical stance. You're ultimately hoping that your commands will be complied with, and unfortunately they were not. What did you think this individual was doing at that, at that moment? She was posing a threat to United States House of Representatives. Posing a threat to the United States House of Representatives. If this woman, I'm just wondering, let's let's listen to what he says here for a moment. He's saying she poses a threat. Let's unpack this together. There were other people in that in that hallway, too. There were other people that were banging on that door. What if he took his tactical stance, shot Ashley Babbitt in the neck and then took two steps forward and just started firing into the crowd, just started shooting at people? Would that be justified? Now, ask yourself, why wouldn't that be justified, right? If if Ashley Babbitt at that door, who had not actually attacked a human being, but she had broken property. If she can be shot and killed. Why can't all the people around her who are also banging on the door? Would it be okay for Lieutenant Byrd to pull his service weapon, which it is true. Also, the rumors about how he left it in a bathroom and was disciplined for that. Uh, that was true. He said that in the interview. But why couldn't he then just open fire on everybody in that hallway? It seems to me that the use of force justification here is 
completely uh, in compliance with that. You know, people are people are being loud. There's a riot going on. They're banging on a door. There's no actual members of Congress nearby. No one has actually been physically attacked yet. There's still a door separating. Why didn't the officer run and 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 give at least a shove to Ashley Babbitt? Remember, through a locked door, folks. Just wondering. Why not? Oh, shot through the neck, killed right there. Mm hmm. This is this is lawful. This does tremendous damage, tremendous damage to our sense of equal justice, because I can tell you this. There are plenty of times where officers have been uh, assaulted physically by people from BLM protests. And if this were a BLM protester, and specifically if this were a black BLM protester who was rushing a police officer who pulled his weapon and shot that BLM protester in the neck, we all understand that it would be a national tragedy. There would be martyr murals of that individual all over the country, at least in major cities. And they would be telling us that this was horrific police brutality, the worst kinds of violence. No, instead, Michael Byrd, Lieutenant Michael Byrd, is telling everybody that he saved countless lives. Play 22. According to law, it does not. I know based on my training and my policy, uh, what I did was appropriate. Have you continued to question your actions that day? I knew that day I followed my training and I spent countless years preparing for such a moment. You ultimately hope that moment never occurs, but you prepare as best you can. I know that day I saved countless lives. Saved countless lives. Really? Really? Huh. Because who was killed that day? Only Ashley Babbitt. I I, I have to say, was there anyone else who was killed that day? Oh, they told us that there was an officer who was beaten to death with a fire extinguisher. That was what the reporting was from many, many news outlets. Turned out that was not true. That was just that was a lie. That was a lie. Okay. So how exactly did he save all these lives? Well, what what did he do that saved life? He took a life for sure. Ashley Babbitt was going to what? Rush him and beat him to death? Is that what she is that what he's suggesting? Somehow these rioters, they, they didn't do that anywhere else. But in this case, that's what was going to happen. Here's uh, Ashley Babbitt's husband on that Lieutenant Byrd interview. Play 24. Pissed off. I mean, I've only heard a couple of clips so far, Tucker, at this point. Um, it's not airing until 7 o'clock out here. I read the full transcript of it. Um, I, I had not heard that one clip that you just played. Uh, my agitation level is actually going through the roof right now, where he admitted he didn't really care if she was armed or not. We're unarmed or not. He didn't. He didn't care. So, um, yeah, we're we're going down a bad rabbit hole right now. And I don't even want to hear him talk about how he's getting death threats and he's scared. I've been getting death threats since January seventh, two, three, five, ten a day. You know, and all I did on January sixth was become a widower. So you're gonna have to suck it up, bud, and take it. It's uh, heartbreaking to hear. This man who lost his wife talking about the situation. 
But NBC gave a platform to elevate the man who shot Ashley Babbitt's, uh, or uh, shot this man's wife, Ashley Babbitt. They elevate him like he's a hero. That's what they've done. He's he's a hero. That's this is the way they set up this interview. Good job shooting that woman in the neck. Lesser Holt suggests. Had to do it to save lives. Really? I don't think so. Two different standards of justice in this country. One for whom the elites believe need to be protected and elevated. And one for those of us who question why the elites have so much power and control. And then we have the eviction moratorium, which got shut down finally. Um, just say six, three decision Supreme Court. The fact that there are three judges on the Supreme Court who did not go along with this just goes to show you what a bunch of Marxist loons they are. Right. That that Breyer, Sotomayor and Kagan would would uh, in this case say, yeah, you know what? The, the government can just by by fiat. By executive order, decide that your property is no longer yours. I mean, this is madness. This is sheer authoritarian overreach in its purest form. And three Supreme Court justices look. Yeah, but we like it. There's a pandemic. Yeah. Now we're realizing there's going to be a pandemic forever, right? It's going to become endemic. COVID's going to be out there forever. People are starting to finally admit that. Happy to see, though, that at least it got struck down. Now people can evict those who have refused to pay rent for a very long time. Very pleased, of course, by this uh, turn of events. It's the way it should be. And it's, it is a reminder, though, that the left, will they will abuse the law, they will use the law in whatever ways they see fit for their own power. And their Supreme Court justices always deliver for them on whatever it may be. Uh, let's get into some roll call. Um, here we go. First up, TJ. Buck, I got to call you out. It sounded like at the end of your podcast Monday, you jumped off the DeSantis 2024 train and onto the Trump 2024 train. You were a pretty solid DeSantis supporter for a bit there. What happened? Do you know something about DeSantis and or Trump the rest of us don't? Maybe you and your buddy Matt Walsh ought to do a crossover episode where you debate DeSantis versus Trump for 2024. Personally, I'm still in DeSantis camp because of Trump's age, but I'd like to hear some honest debate about who'd make for a better president of the two potential candidates. And I think you and Matt present the arguments in very respectful ways. First of all, a lot of respect for Matt Walsh. Smart guy, does very good work. Um, I, I, I'm total, I think DeSantis is fantastic. I think DeSantis has done a phenomenal job as the governor of Florida. Um, I think that he'd be a great presidential candidate. I also think that Donald Trump is clearly very formidable still in the political arena. And I think that he would give us four more great years if he could get it. So, I mean, you're asking me, it's kind of like, who do I want my champion to be, the Hulk or the Thing? Well, actually, producer Mark, if you're in a bar fight, do you want the Hulk or the Thing to be at your ba- to have your side? The Hulk. Really? Of course. Is he stronger than the Thing? Yes, he is. He's the strongest uh, superhero there is. Stronger than Thor? Uh, I mean, I guess just brute strength that would be Hulk. Thor is the sneaky strength that you don't expect. Ah, all right. Thor versus Iron Man, bar fight, producer Mark. Hmm. 
I guess you have to take Thor because Iron Man's not really a superhero. He just has all the technology. Yeah. Technically, also, I think Thor is a god, right? Which is kind of cool. Yes. Like, I feel like that would help you get some phone numbers at a bar. And doesn't he well, control I'm lightning actually, and stuff? I'm actually a god. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's from Asgard. It's really cool. Yeah. 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 Hey, baby, come up to Asgard for some wine coolers. But you know Iron Man is rich, so. Good call. And then his house in Malibu is very fancy from the movies. I do remember that. So, uh, but TJ, to what you're asking here, uh, I still think DeS- I still think DeSantis is great. I think DeSantis does a uh, an excellent job. So, all ab- all about it. Um, I would be very happy if he ran. I'd, I'd support him. You know, and look, I also we also need to hold politicians accountable and and ask them questions about what they're doing and everything else i never want to make it seem like oh i'm just gonna oh, I'm, I'm, I'm working for the desantis campaign but i think he's uh, i think he's great and i i support him i support trump and i think they're gonna work it out they're not gonna run against each other so trump either passes the torch or he's got one more he's got one more go in him and i'm all i'm all for it sarah buck but a fan of yours for a number of years love the work you do and the message you preach a question for you since joe biden is verifiably unfit cognitively and we can all see it doesn't Kamala bear some responsibility for this mess in Afghanistan? She says she was the last one in the room when Biden decided to pull out, and then she conveniently leaves the country. That's like setting the drunk man up behind the wheel, buckling him in, and then fleeing the scene. She has completely abandoned her post. Is she not partially to blame for this fiasco? Recall them all. Uh, well, interesting. Kamala, first of all, I don't, I don't, there's not a recall mechanism for the for the presidency, just to be clear, Sarah. But I, I hear what you're saying. Uh, I don't know how much Kamala is involved in any of this decision making. I think Kamala is largely involved in this administration uh, for optics purposes. I do not think anybody believes that she has a particular area of competency. Uh, competency. Uh, I don't think anybody really believes that Kamala is uh, endowed with leadership qualities or strategic thinking at a level where they really care what she thinks in this administration. But you raise an interesting point. Kamala's Kamala's, uh, tied to this administration. And so at some level, she must be involved in some of the planning and therefore some of the blame for what's going on in Afghanistan. But it'd be tough to get to the bottom of that without actually having a press corps that would push for information. And trust me, they don't want to get into that. Uh, Ken, hey, Buck, I was very concerned there'd be no one to take over after Russia's death. But then I happened to hear your show and thought he is the guy. Very glad you and Clay got the nod. You're doing a great job. Thanks, Buck. Well, thank you, Ken. I uh, I really appreciate that very much. And uh, it was great. Um, that's where I'm trying to do the trying to do the best show I can every day and uh, doing the best podcast I can every day, too, which is why I'm hoping you will share the podcast. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Maria Buck, you're my hero and I love you. Clay as well. Best big show podcast so far. Very powerful. I am still crying. Thank you so much for stepping up to the plate and committing to help the soldier bring his interpreter and family out of Afghanistan. In the end, all we have is our integrity and our word. I hope and pray you are successful in this mission again. Thank you. Well, Maria, thank you. That really means a lot. And I appreciate the, uh, the support and Clay and I are doing the best show we can every day. And I, of course, get to do this show for all of you, which I really enjoy as well. I just get to have a direct conversation with you. And it's a lot of fun. Darren. uh, Hi, Buck. I appreciate the work you're doing in support of our great country. We're bringing the truth forward on those destroying this country. I would greatly appreciate your feedback. My son recently graduated from university. 
and has an interest in a job that would give him the opportunity to support the USA, possibly the CIA uh, or some national or international agency. God bless Shields High. Apply online, Darren. That's all. That's where it all happens. Believe it or not, you apply online, you get it going. And I mean, I, I I'm out of the game now so long that I don't even know what the official process is these days. I mean, it's been I haven't been in the intelligence community in over ten years now. So I'd have, but I, I do know that they take online applications for a lot of important government jobs. And Darren, I'd say just tell uh, your son not to get frustrated by the fact that there will be, not only is there bureaucracy once you start working for the federal government, but there's a lot of bureaucracy that you have to go through to even get a job in the federal government. So that's where that is. Um, Chris. Hey, Buck, active duty Marine lawyer here stationed overseas. I woke up this morning at 0300 to messages about what happened in Kabul. I'm just angry. Obviously, I'm a, a Marine lawyer, not some battle hardened warrior. I'll le- likely never see a battlefield in my life. I'm angry because of the dishonesty and because this president and the top officials treat us as idiots, as if we can't see reality, as if we'll just lap up their garbage without question. The inability to admit mistakes or fault or even the slightest bit of potential for improvement is maddening. I have no respect for these people. I'd like to think if they showed up here, I'd be tempted to spit on their feet as they walked by. The whole situation in Afghanistan still feels pretty far removed from me. My day-to-day life isn't going to change. I still have my job to do, but I must say it's hard to find joy in work when this wholly unnecessary death happens in my organization, even a half a world away. Rest easy, devil dogs, Semper Fidelis. Um, Chris, thank you for writing in. And I, I look, I think a lot of them, we're all angry about what happened in Kabul and just the incompetence of the administration on display and what a, what a mess this whole thing is. And it, it did not have to be this way. I think that much is quite clear. And uh, I'm with you. And I'm praying for the families of those lost and for our Marines and, and every member of the armed forces that is downrange right now in Afghanistan uh, doing a job that puts them in harm's way and, and serving their country and showing tremendous bravery uh, in the process. So I'm going to have to tell you to have a great weekend coming up here, folks. Oh, let's check in with our buddy, Producer Mark, for a second to see uh, what his weekend plans are. What's going on, Producer Mark? Anything fun? Uh, just uh, more unpacking and just getting things settled. We're pretty much done, but, you know, now we got to do things like go to the container store and, you know, organize stuff. Uh, it's that part of the uh, house buying process. How is uh, how is the, the new place? You like it? Yeah. We like it. It's getting more and more like a home every uh, every weekend when we have a chance to work on it. Nice. Nice. Do you have some plants? I feel like that's always an adulting thing. You know, you, all of a sudden you get plants that you have to take care of. I've thought about getting some plants. We have a nice uh, windowsill right by the kitchen sink. That would be a cool place to put them. So I've thought about it, yeah. There we go. That's what I'm talking about. Maybe you get some plants. It'll Not be the idea. first thing I've had to keep alive in a very long time. What about a, a pet that you could have in like a, a terrarium or uh, some kind of enclosure? Are you allowed to do that? No, I know you said no dogs or cats. Yeah, pretty much no animals. I'm sure I could get away with like a fish or something, but I, what do I want to fish for? I've always wondered if a lizard can bond with a person. Like if you have a lizard pet, you know, if you have a gecko or something in one of those little terrariums, does the gecko start to like you after a while? I feel like their brains are too small, so they can't actually yeah. do that, but... And they're not cute. Well, I want that in my house. And what if it gets loose? Geckos aren't bad. Yeah, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to have like a spitting cobra as a pet. I'm always, I'm always kind of astonished when I, when you see one of the stories like man loses like pet king cobra in apartment, like looking for it. It's like, 
I don't think that's a good idea as a pet. I'm just going to put that out there. Yeah, and why would you want a gecko? Those little lizards? They mm. have them all over Florida. They enter people's houses without permission. And I'm still hoping to get to uh, the Ted Lasso show this weekend. Oh, Although yeah. I saw, I think it was actually Matt Walsh bringing him up again on the show, who said that he did not find it funny. Well, that's so. a poor opinion. Yeah, you're not with him on that no, one? No, I mean, almost everybody. I, I think Matt Walsh is the first person I've heard that doesn't like Ted Lasso. I think he was the first one that I saw that was that was very, very opposed to it. But I'll, I'll have to check it out myself and, and see and see what's what. But. Can you believe that it's almost the end of the summer, producer Mark? I can't believe it. Only two summer weekends left. It's crazy. Feels like it's flown by so fast. Such a crazy time we live in, my friend. So, well, say hi to everybody. We'll do. Well, no, it's like say hi to everybody. They're, oh. they're like house producer Mark, so you can say hi, everybody. Oh, hi, everybody. Sorry, I thought you were telling me to say hi to everybody. Hello, yeah, everybody. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, producer Mark, I just, because people, when they don't hear from you for a few days, they're like, is producer Mark Okay. Are you are you hiding producer Mark in a basement somewhere? I'm like, no, he's just working on the big radio show. And some days we can't get him on the podcast. But today he's on the podcast. Yeah, exactly. I have a lot of extra duties now. It's not just the, the radio show. I do a lot of stuff. Yeah, he's got a lot of things, a lot of things. A man running around with a lot of things. All right. Well, producer Mark is fine. As you can hear, it was not a hostage video. We just made of producer Mark. He's fine. And he sends you all regards. Have a great weekend, folks. Uh, appreciate you being here with me. Please pass the buck. Tell somebody you know about the Buck Sexton show. Get us a new listener, and we will love you forever. We'll talk to you on Monday. Shields high.